Today is Saturday, November 12th. We might not know all the results from this week's midterm election, but one thing we know for sure, Congress and American voters are still just as divided as ever. No matter which way the final votes fall, neither party will end up with an overwhelming majority in either the House or the Senate. To get perspective on all of this, we're welcoming back two political analysts to the Newsworthy. Later, we'll hear from Democratic strategist, Fox News contributor, and nationally syndicated radio host, Leslie Marshall. But first up is Republican analyst and CNN contributor, Scott Jennings. He previously worked for President George W. Bush and served as an advisor to Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. He explains why there was no so-called red wave and what the results could mean for the Republican Party's future and its leaders. Welcome, welcome to the Newsworthy Special Edition Saturday, when we sit down with a different expert or celebrity every Saturday to talk about something in the news. Don't forget to tune in every Monday through Friday for our regular episodes, where we provide all the day's news in 10 minutes. I'm Erica Mandy. It's now time for today's Special Edition Saturday. Scott, thanks for coming back on the Newsworthy. Glad to do it. So it's looking like Republicans are going to have a slim majority in the House. We aren't sure yet, but that's where it's headed. But that predicted red wave that everyone talked about before the midterms did not materialize. What's your reaction to how the midterms played out this year? And why do you think Republicans' expectations fell short? Well, there was a large group of voters who misbehaved. Independence. I was uh, looking through the uh, was looking through the exit polls on election night. They were handing them out there on the CNN set. And, you know, everything was looking like you thought it might. Biden was not popular. His policies were not popular. A lot of anger and anxiety about the direction of the country, about the economy. And so if you're a Republican, you're like, OK, this this all lines up. And then they're handing you the exit polls that say independents are breaking towards the Democrats in all these big Senate races. And I thought, Am I taking crazy pills? This is so unprecedented, and it hasn't happened in a midterm since 2002 that independents were breaking for the party in power. But that's exactly what happened. And so as you dig into it now a couple of days later, Erica, what's become apparent to me is that there are people who don't really love Biden or what he's doing, but there's someone they don't like even more, and that's Donald Trump. And a lot of these candidates that lost were really closely associated with Trump and the voters stuck with Biden over that. And it gave me a real sense of just how toxic the Trump brand is for those key independent voters that really do determine a lot of elections, especially in purple states. Yeah. So what's your take that former President Trump has said that he has a big announcement coming next week? And a lot of people think that's going to be that he's running for president in 2024. Do you think that he will have enough influence still? And and what do you think the future of the party is? Well, he's going to run and he's quite formidable. I mean, he's for all intents and purposes, he is now the establishment. You know, he's a former president. He's got a big team of people who fully depend on him for their livelihoods. He's got a ton of money that he's sitting on because he raises money, but he doesn't really spend any of it on behalf of Republican candidates. These are formidable assets. I expect him to run. But I what I have come to believe in the last couple of days is that he has not been this weak since January the 6th, politically weak. Now, after January the 6th, Republicans hesitated. They did not move on Trump, and he reconstituted himself and had another two years as head of the party. He's that weak today. The difference this time, I think, is that Republicans could actually visualize the next lily pad, and the next lily pad is Ron DeSantis of Florida, who's about the only Republican politician that had a good night on Tuesday. So, yeah, what is that momentum telling you? Do you you think he's the future of the party? There's a lot of great personalities out there. But on election night this year, the clear winner and the clear star was Ron DeSantis. He has taken a purple state. Florida has been purple my entire career over 20 years. He has turned it solidly red. Miami-Dade, 
went overwhelmingly Republican. This is a huge Democratic county. Hispanics broke for Ron DeSantis. Suburban voters, white collar, rural, young, old. I mean, Ron DeSantis, independence, as I mentioned earlier, Ron DeSantis actually showed what it looks like when a Republican puts together a governing coalition that is designed to win a big election. Republicans have not won the national popular vote in a presidential election since my old boss, George W. Bush, did it in 2004. There's no way to look at the midterm results and conclude that Donald Trump is anything but another ticket to a national popular vote loss. But you could look at the results in Florida and say, Ron DeSantis might have the instincts to put it back together and give the Republicans a better chance to recapture the White House. He's also much younger, and I think he actually understands the Republican base a little bit better than maybe Donald Trump does right now. All right, so let's go back to the midterms that we just had this week. So assuming the GOP does take control of the House, what do you think they can actually do with a slim majority? And what do you think their priorities will be in 2023? Oh, Erica, this slim majority, it's a bag of cats. I'm telling you, you don't want to stick your hand in there. I mean, I I don't know what they're going to do. I'm going to say McCarthy is going to be the speaker, but he is going to have a real challenge on his hands You know, there's quite a few people in his conference uh, who are making demands of him. This is the Freedom Caucus, you know, the right flank of his conference. They they really want a lot of things. So McCarthy has got to play like 16 dimensional chess here to get the speakership and then try to govern moving forward. What does the House Republican Conference want? They want to investigate Joe Biden. They want to investigate Hunter Biden. They want to investigate the pullout from Afghanistan. They'd like to investigate what the Department of Homeland Security is or is not doing at the border. So investigations is a big thing. And I do think there's a big uh, pressure point on them to do something about inflation, potentially crime, and certainly uh, more border security. Whether McCarthy can put this whole thing together, I don't know. But if he does, he's going to look like a genius because right now it looks super complex and uh, there aren't too many answers as we still count the votes out west. And as we still wait to find out who gets control of the Senate, I mean, are we looking at gridlock here if it's a split Congress? Oh, yeah. Divided government, I think, will be mostly gridlock. Although, again, what we call gridlock sometimes ignores things that do happen in a bipartisan fashion. Uh, In fact, you know, some of the things Joe Biden did over the last couple of years We're done with Republican votes in the Senate. I do think Mitch McConnell is going to be reelected as leader of the Republican conference in the Senate, whether they're in the majority or the minority. And he has often said that he has interpreted the election results recently, very closely divided government, closely divided elections, a 50-50 country. He interprets that as most voters want policy made between the 40 yard lines, meaning Throw out the extreme on the right, throw out the extreme on the left and try to do things in the middle of the field. So my guess is that's going to continue to be his attitude. If Republicans were in control and McConnell were majority leader, certainly you'd see a slowdown on judicial confirmations. You'd see a lot more scrutiny of Biden appointments to other posts in the government. Biden's had a pretty easy go of it with Schumer in charge. That would certainly go away if McConnell were in charge uh, for the next two years. I just want to briefly touch on election deniers. A lot of them did not win, but one report so far said that about 200 Republicans who have questioned or denied the results of the 2020 election, despite no evidence of widespread fraud, have now won in various races across the country so far. So what is your take on that issue within the Republican Party, as well as the potential influence of some of these newly elected people moving forward? I don't know what's going to happen with all these people who won these various offices in the future. I know what happened this year, and that is there were a lot of people predicting mass chaos on Election Day and 
a lot of people questioning results, et cetera, et cetera. That has not happened yet. Now, we're still counting ballots in Nevada and Arizona, very close races, but that simply hasn't happened. And that's a good thing. And I will also just say the political implications of the election, the biggest conspiracy theorists losing, it ought to be a message. Because if Donald Trump gets the nomination for the Republicans in 24, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to relitigate 2020 on those same grounds. That's not what voters want to hear. So to me, the political lesson out of this for the Republicans is people kind of want normal and they kind of want boring. Put me down for boring uh, as a political strategy. Don't put me down for conspiracy theories. Folks are tired of drama and chaos. They just want the government to be run in a competent and dare I say boring fashion. All right. So what about Democrats? What helped them out more than expected in this election? Still ahead, Democratic analyst and Fox News contributor Leslie Marshall gives us her take. Plus, she weighs in on whether polls mean anything anymore and how the results could help shape the race for the White House in 2024. But first, a quick break to thank our sponsors. The Newsworthy is brought to you by ZocDoc. Just because two things are kind of the same doesn't mean they're actually the same thing. There can be a huge variety in quality. And that's true for whether we're talking about the little things in life, like choosing which place to get sushi from or what pair of jeans to buy, or the bigger decisions, like what doctor to trust. With ZocDoc, you can find the right doctor for you, helping to find one that makes sure you feel heard and are truly taken care of. And ZocDoc will help make sure the doctor is also in-network and in your neighborhood. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Yes, read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. Now, when you walk into that doctor's office, you'll hopefully be set to see someone in your network who gets you. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, so simply go to ZocDoc.com newsworthy and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C, ZocDoc.com newsworthy, ZocDoc.com newsworthy. And thanks to our sponsor, Rothy's. I'm in a season of life right now where I don't really have time to plan the perfect outfits for every holiday gathering coming up, but of course, I still want to feel and look good. So that's why this holiday season, I will be turning to the tried and true brand, Rothy's. I already know Rothy's has a ton of chic styles to choose from, and all of their shoes are super comfortable right out of the box. Their customer service is always on point as well, and their mission matters. I love knowing that all of my Rothy shoes were sustainably made with their signature thread repurposed from single-use plastic bottles. Plus, Rothy's just released the coziest merino wool slippers, which at this point I can't decide if I should get them for myself, buy them as a gift, or both. Oh, and if you don't already know, Rothy's are made to last. All of their products are machine washable, which means they'll keep looking great through the new year and well beyond. Get stylish shoes, versatile and durable enough to wear all the time with Rothy's. And get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash newsworthy. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash newsworthy. Okay, now to my conversation with Leslie Marshall. Leslie Marshall, thank you for coming on the Newsworthy. Thank you for having me. For people who don't know, historically, it is normal for the party currently in power to lose a lot of seats during the midterm election, and a so-called red wave was expected this year. But based on the results we at least have so far, Democrats have outperformed expectations. What went right for Democrats, do you think? Well, people were saying, especially on the right, that Democrats weren't listening to the people. And I've said over and over on my radio show, on the television network that I work on, and in columns that I've written, that it depends on what state you're in and what district within that state. 
So for example, there are some common sense items. If you live in Texas, you live in Arizona, you live near the southern border in California, immigration is going to matter to you. But when people said that abortion didn't matter, it was trumping, uh, no pun intended, the uh, economy and inflation in states like Colorado. Also in states like Colorado, New Mexico, Latinos had abortion as their number two issue. And now we see after the fact that abortion was a game changer in the state of Michigan. I sit here as a Democrat, there was no red wave. And in some states, there were blue waves, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Michigan, possibly Pennsylvania. You know, you're looking at states that will be entirely blue from their state legislature to, you know, who is representing them as a governor and in the House and in the Senate. Now, of course, you don't have 100% in the House necessarily from those states, but this is just completely uh, the opposite of what Republicans were saying would happen. What about you? Were you surprised by some of these results? Yes, I'm a pessimist by nature. So yes, I was. Pennsylvania, that was my favorite race. And the reason is I always root for the underdog. And John Fetterman's an underdog. He's a guy with a hoodie who had a stroke, who has tats, you know, kind of blue collar guy, you know, who's, you know, from Philly. He, to me, he embodies Philly. And uh, then you have this, you know, rich guy come in. He's a doctor. He's got money. You know, the polls were absolutely wrong. And I, I think I'm going to, going to ignore them from here on out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my next question is why are the polls seemingly always wrong these days? There's a number of reasons for that, actually. One is the younger voters don't have home phones. And two, how are they calling you? There's a huge difference between a person calling you and a robot calling you, right? Three, how are the questions worded? I think, honestly, that our polling uh, mechanism uh, needs a rehaul, overhaul. So looking at some of these races, control of the Senate could come down to a runoff in Georgia next month between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. What do you think Democrats need to do to win that race and how crucial is it? We need to get more of the youth out, more of the minority vote out, you know, hit upon those women who are upset, you know, by Dobbs. Got to pour in tons of money in your ground game. Georgia's a very red state. Um, so we need to get more of the youth out because the youth made without the youth, we wouldn't be having this conversation today throughout the country. I'm curious your take, though, on President Biden's influence in Ohio. Democrat Tim Ryan distanced himself from the president and then lost his Senate race in Pennsylvania. John Fetterman embraced Biden and won. Is that a coincidence or is there something to that, you think? I don't think it's a coincidence. I think they're very different states with very different candidates. Pennsylvania is clearly a blue state. Ohio is clearly a red state. I don't think they're swing states. But then again, when you look at the margin of victory in Pennsylvania for John Fetterman and in Ohio for J.D. Vance, these aren't double-digit victories. Um, so you're looking at a very divided nation and very divided states within the nation. We also see some crazy things like in New Hampshire, people voting for like a Democratic senator, but a Republican governor. I think you know, Joe Biden is loved in Pennsylvania and he may not be loved so much, you know, in Ohio. And that pretty much happens every election cycle in a midterm election and a general election. Presidents stay away, Democrat or Republican, if they're not going to help. And then they show up if they will. This is this is nothing new because of Joe Biden's numbers. This is how every election goes. So do you think Biden will run for re-election in 2024? And, and should he? 
Yes and yes. He's the president of the United States. He was elected by the majority of the people uh, and the majority of the electoral college votes. And every president has a right, whether they're a Democrat or Republican, and whether you voted for them or not, or whether you like them or not, to go forth for a second term. Joe Biden is a very shoot from the hip, like he says, no malarkey guy. And if he isn't going to run, he would tell us. Right now, he has every intention of doing so. And after yesterday, he might be right with that intention. There's been a lot of talk about some Republicans not accepting the outcomes of the elections. On the other side, though, Democrats like Stacey Abrams in Georgia have warned of voter suppression, you know, making it harder for some people to vote. Do you think that did happen at all in these midterms? And do you expect any legal challenges from Democrats because of that? There might be legal challenges uh, from Democrats, but not to win. Let's look at Georgia, for example, right? There were some polling stations that were in predominantly African-American areas of Georgia uh, that were closed. There were polling stations in other states that were in predominantly African-American and minority neighborhoods uh, that were moved. Uh, that may be looked at, but it's not being looked at to contest the outcome of the election, but rather to improve accessibility and equal the playing field for everybody, regardless of skin color and socioeconomic status going forward in the next election. Uh, Stacey Abrams conceded very quickly. Any other major takeaways or thoughts from the midterms? Maybe Joe Biden, after being senator and vice president, now president, knows a thing or two because people eye rolled and laughed when he said the Democrats will surprise you. Nancy Pelosi said, I don't think it's going to be the red tsunami, the red wave that, you know, you, you know, you think. And they weren't just saying this to be cheerleaders for the party before the election. I also think, you know, people that told Joe Biden, don't go after Republicans. This guy is a seasoned politician. He knows what he's doing. And, and maybe more in our party should uh, stand up, take notice and respect that. And perhaps across the aisle as well. All right. A big thank you to both of our guests for sharing their time and analysis with us. Be sure to check out Scott Jennings podcast called Flyover Country and Leslie Marshall's radio program called The Leslie Marshall Show and find them on Twitter. Stay tuned to the Newsworthy for more updates about the results of the midterm elections, as well as the other news stories you need to know each day during our regular episodes. Our 10-minute news roundups come out every Monday through Friday morning to help you start your day. If you found this analysis interesting, be sure to share this episode with a friend. And if you enjoy the Newsworthy overall, we always appreciate it when you leave a review on your favorite podcast app. This helps other people know they should listen and give it a try. All right, thank you again for listening. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend. 